Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the head of the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined once again by my colleague, Danielle. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. And in this podcast, we are going to be looking at statistics. So I know that sounds initially maybe, oh, this is going to be boring, but don't switch off. Carry on listening to us if you can, because we're going to be talking about the recently published Nature of Sexual Assault by Rapal Penetration, England and Wales, year ending March 2020. So this is about the report published by the Office for National Statistics and is concerned with information from the Crime Survey for England and Wales on the amount, type and nature of sexual assault by rapal penetration, including attempts, experienced since the age of 16 years. And this survey and report provides a very comprehensive picture of sexual offending as it is more or less now. So information was collected from the general public, which is then analysed. And as we're going to discuss that, you know, we've got some pretty, pretty stark headlines. And we thought that those headlines would warrant a discussion in this podcast. So whilst I'm talking, I'll give you a couple of those headlines. One in 40 women aged between 16 and 24 experience rape or assault by penetration each year. Overall, 0.1% of men and 0.8% of women aged over 16 said they were the victims of these crimes in the year to March 2020. Some 773,000 adults aged 16 to 74 said they were victims of any type of sexual assault during the same period. There were almost four times as many female victims of sexual assault as men, and the numbers were 618,000 compared to 155,000. So those were the headlines. So moving along to you, Danny, let's look at these figures in some details and try and understand them. One of the issues is the fact that this survey reveals that a lot of offending is still not being reported to the police. Why is it, in your experience, Danny, victims of sexual offences do not report to the police? Well, it's a complicated issue, isn't it, based on each individual person's experience. So you may have somebody who doesn't think that they're going to be believed or that is embarrassed or, or ashamed to come forward or is worried how it will be dealt with. You've got people that are going to be assaulted by perhaps somebody within their family who they may not want to get into trouble there's so many circumstances, or again, especially with, with male victims, you know, is there an element of shame, you know, wrongly that they, they feel embarrassed that, that this has happened to them and they don't want to come forward. So there's a number of issues why people don't want to come forward as we see in our day to day. Yeah, but why is it in 2020 and now 2021, people who suffered, you know, terribly, they've been sexually assaulted, are scared to come forward? You know, you'd like to think that, you know, as a society, we progress sufficiently 
over the years so that there is still isn't this fear about coming forward? Why is it that people in 2020, 2021 are scared of coming forward and reporting to the police? Any thoughts? I think there's still a huge fear. You know, you you see it online, you see numerous campaigns by rape charities, especially if it's a woman on a night out or after a night out, if she feels that if she's worn a particular outfit or she has, you know, alcohol in her system that, that she won't be believed. I still think that that's a huge stigma going forward. So it's victim blaming. So there's still this subconscious or maybe not subconscious, maybe conscious thought that, oh, because of the way I dressed or because I went out for the evening, it's all my fault or they're going to think it's my fault. Well, clearly, of course, it isn't their fault. No, you know, it's that's not the case. But, um, you know, is that right? There's still this idea that the victim asked for it. I think there's still an ideology that, that that is the case. I mean, even yesterday, I was on TikTok, which is obviously designed for younger people now, and you don't really get a choice of the the videos that are coming through to you. So, you, you know, you just see them on a random scroll. And it was a, a video of a, a young guy saying, you know, if you wake up and you've had sex and you were drunk, that doesn't mean you were raped. And, and certain commentary about, you know, if you were sexually assaulted and there's any alcohol in your system that actually you were consenting. I really think that any sexual assault that involves alcohol or, as I say, maybe the way that you dressed or, or where you were going, I think victims still feel very, very worried about going to the police. And they shouldn't. You know, each case should be dealt with. And of course, there's been some very high profile cases in the last couple of years involving celebrities, sportsmen and so on, where the victim or alleged victim, depending on your point of view, has gone back to their rooms and sexual activity has taken place. And then after the event, it is alleged that it was non-consensual and there's been prosecutions for rape that have failed and so on. And of course, it all becomes very heated and controversial. So I think the media coverage of some of these cases, intentionally or unintentionally, does foster that perception because of the circumstances in which the sexual assault happened. I'm not going to be believed or it's going to be alleged that it was my fault. It must have been my fault because I went back to his room or her room or, you know, as the case may be, or I'd had a drink and he'd had a drink or she had had a drink and so on. I think is an issue is the, is the way that we cover the reporting of these cases when they do end up in court and they do attract, understandably, a lot of publicity. But allied to that, I think it's still an education thing. I'm convinced as I can be that consent is not understood. No, I agree. I mean, you hit the nail on the head in respect of when you say the press, when they pick up a story, for example, if it is a celebrity or a sportsman, sportswoman, and a person has gone back to their room, the press almost make it that, that, that it's, you know, the victim's fault, the victim went to that person's room. So, you know, they must have consented, which we clearly know is not the case. You know, if you invited your friend to your home or you invite people to your house, you know, if you have a party, obviously, you know, out of COVID times, that does not mean that you consent to be raped. You know, it's the same circumstances, you know, and, and the press make it victim blaming. 
which yeah. is awful. You know, that person has had the strength to come forward. And as we'll talk about further in these statistics, a lot of people come forward, not for a criminal conviction necessarily, a financial gain, but it's to protect other people from this happening again to somebody else. Yes, we often see, don't we, that victims blame themselves for not protecting others. You know, they've been the victim of a sexual offence, they've not reported it, and their abuser, attacker, has gone on and committed further offences. And they understandably, innocently blame themselves for not having um, reported it when they feel that they perhaps should have done. And rather interestingly, when I was on the subject of consent, I see in the news that in Australia, a police officer has come up with an app or is proposing an app that records consent. Very interesting, but of course, consent can wax and wane. You know, what is consensual one moment is not necessarily consensual the next moment. And also with that, you, you know, there's no other factors with that. Again, you know, are you coerced into consent perhaps in those circumstances? Are you threatened to be recorded? Yep. You know, we see all different cases, don't we, where, you know, threats of violence or blackmail, mm-hmm. financial blackmail in these times. So although certain technology may assist, I don't think it's a, you know, full safe that the consent, I don't think it ever could be. No. Anyway, so moving on, because we could talk about this all day, and maybe we'll come back to it in another podcast. The survey also delves into age and sex. So it's reported that in the years ending 2017, March 2020 combined, the majority of victims who had experienced rape or assault by genitation they were 16 year olds reported that the perpetrator was male, 98%, almost two thirds, 65% reported the perpetrator was a male aged between 20 and 39. So that gives you a bit of a profile there, male and young males. Victims who experienced sexual assault by rape or penetration since the age of 16 were most likely to be victimized by their partner or ex-partner. This was closely followed by someone who was known to them other than a partner member. So that is interesting because it reinforces what I've always understood, that most victims know their abuser, their attacker, and it is not the the stranger in the brown raincoat hiding behind a bush down the local park. You know, most victims, it's just the way it is, it, you know, are attacked, abused by someone in their own home, usually within their own family. And one of the misconceptions I think that we sometimes have with our clients or, you know, people we speak to is if they are raped or sexually assaulted by a partner or an ex-partner, they've consented at one point, you know, to have a sexual relationship with that person. So they don't think that what's happened to them necessarily is an assault or a rape, which, you know, as we've talked about many times, consent is ongoing. So if you've separated with your partner you know, you have not consented for them to come round and assault you. Exactly. Which then brings me on to uh, another part of this report, which is, and I know that um, we've spoken about this before, Danny, is the fact that it's reported that over half of victims' physical force has been used by the perpetrator to try to make them have sex with them, and 10% reported that the perpetrator had choked or tried to strangle them, which is, you know, I have to say, alarming to say the very least you know it's a startling figure you know 10 percent and of course um 
in one of our more recent podcasts, you, Danny, sort of explained, did you not, that Parliament is going to legislate to make strangling a distinct offence of its own? It was Felina, but yes, you what did. Was it? Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Felina, um, if you're listening. Yeah, so the two of you discussed that. So, yeah, and I, I think, you, you know, having listened to the podcast, it, it's it's a, the right move to make. Yeah, you know, that's, it's an astonishing statistic. You know, it's a disturbing one. And another statistic is that over a fifth of victims were either unconscious or asleep during the most recent incident of sexual assault by rape or penetration. So again, that feeds back to what you were saying, Danny, about the issue of consent and the fact that I remain convinced that consent is a big issue on which there still needs to be ongoing education because it's just not understood. I I agree. It really isn't. And it's a really difficult subject to, you know, talk about, to, to get across. I mean, I don't think it's covered enough. It's not covered in education to our knowledge it's it's not covered at later education i think this is something that needs to be widely talked about with you know from probably the age of our children really yes and another area that's worth talking about is the fact that the survey showed that nearly two-fifths of victims reported that they'd suffered some sort of physical injury the most common types of injuries were bruising black eyes scratches which again brings home the fact that violence is is used and the survey also talks about the non-physical aspects so for both men and women the category most likely to be reported was mental or emotional problems 47 percent of male victims and 63 percent of female victims reported mental or emotional problems and a, a very stark statistic again around one in ten victims so that they had attempted suicide as a result. And I think that really brings home, does it not, you know, the very painful and difficult consequences that victims have to live with as a result of being um, sexually assaulted. Yeah, I agree. We, the, the statistics that have come out, you know, are shocking. And as we, we discussed before, we came onto this podcast, this is only people that have actually come forward so this could be a drop in the ocean of the, the true statistics that, that there, there are there. That's a good point. You know, it's these surveys are dependent on people cooperating and being willing to, you know, provide this sort of information. You know, there's every chance that this, these numbers are too low. It's, it's a, a case of still under-reporting. But, you know, if we take the figures as they are, they drive home some very hard messages, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as we, we touched upon at the start of this podcast, some people won't realise that what's happened to them is a sexual assault because they've consented to their partner before or, mm. you know, a number of circumstances, their partner comes in drunk and, and demands to have sex with them and they don't consent. That is still an assault, whereas yep. some people may think that because they have consulted for years, sort of, you know, at a time, that it's it's not. Yes, It sounds as though we have a long way to go as a society in trying to address behaviours. There certainly needs to be education still on consent, and that's clearly ongoing. I think, you know, there's an awful long way to go. But maybe a start's been made. You know, I'm quite impressed by the fact that the Ministry of Justice, with its most recent code of practice, has gone a long way in recognising the need for public information 
and for victims to be supported in the criminal justice system and for victims to be given proper information about their legal rights and about what their options are and to be given objective advice because that sadly in my experience has been missing for far far too long so it's a step in the in the right direction but as we've mentioned in previous podcasts sexual offending doesn't stay still and isn't going to disappear overnight and is evolving all the time you know we We've discussed recently sexting and um, another recent podcast was deep fake. And there's, you know, we've got all the problems with sex trafficking and going on. So it continually evolves and not necessarily for the better. But the fact that we're talking about it, I think, is good. And the fact that the Ministry of Justice, you know, don't want to get into politics, but, you know, at least it's trying to do something which can only be for the better. I mean, we obviously some of these statistics as well have perhaps taken into effect COVID once we are, you know, let out of restrictions, whether this type of abuse will increase, you know, people meeting out what what the change will be in the following years. Yeah, I think that is going to be interesting, not necessarily for good reasons. But as I said, the fact that these things are being spoken about and are on the radar must mm-hmm. be for the good. Okay, thanks, Danny. On that sort of sobering note, as always, thank you very much. Thank you, podcast listeners. If you have any thoughts about this podcast or any of our other podcasts, or you've got suggestions for a podcast that you'd like us to record, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.